0: Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to this episode. On this one, I'm gonna be talking with Bo Martonic. I always enjoy talking with Bo, I learned a ton from him. He tries a variety of tactics throughout the season and I think that no matter where Bo's hunting or what style, he's definitely thinking about all the small details when he's out there and I think that we can all pick up some tips from him on the things that he's learned throughout the season. We specifically talk big woods hunting, Talk about his season in pa and what he learned we talk about hunting doe groups some of the things that he's learned by stalk hunting in open country and how he's actually taken the things that he's learned from stalking and applied that to other styles even when he's in the big woods before we get into it though if you check the description of this podcast you'll see a link to our website thehuntingpublic.com on there we've got all kinds of stuff from hats and shirts to hunting gear that we use all the time when we're out in the field. And if you wanna save 10%, you can use the code Zach, just Z-A-C-H, or you can use any of the other guys' names as well, and that'll save you 10%. And that's a code that never goes away, so you can use it whenever you want. Also, you all know that we use the Go Wild app, and on there, you can share hunting stories without being censored, you can share gear, and earn rewards to buy new gear. But you can also find serious strategy advice. Go Wild has a feature called Pursuits, which is on the home screen in the app, and you can dive deep into hunting topics, and there's a ton of content to learn from. You can see questions from other members, such as Clay, who asked, what are the pros and cons of saddle hunting, and what saddle do you recommend? You can see all of the answers from other members, and you can also help Clay out by giving your opinion as well. The app's free. It's available in the App Store. But if you're in the description of this podcast, you can also see a link over there as well. All right, let's give Bo a call. I pretty much just, like, want to just BS like we always do and just yeah. kind of cover whatever ground we cover, but I would like to uh, hear about your season and just in general, like, the things that you're learning because I always learn from that. So I just mm-hmm. want to hear what you're thinking about that's maybe different than past years and... um I guess aside from your hair, yeah. What's different, man? What have you been thinking about? What have you been learning?
1: Uh, yeah, besides besides the hair, well, it's I, I, it, it's funny that the hair. I started growing it last like July. was was the last time that I'd cut it. But then I did get it trimmed this this July. I, I cut it, and then it's always been a thing that I don't. I I will grow my hair out until I kill a buck, and that's always just kind of. I've done that for ever sometimes it never gets very long at all sometimes it gets you know quite a bit longer and and this year i was just like you know what you know it took me so long to get to this point i'm just gonna roll with it you know there's some days i just want to shave it off and there's other days that that i don't mind it so <laughs> it's uh it's it's kind of funny it's just it's interesting i'm, the, I'm actually
0: the same way believe it or not i mean there's some are days you? where it's just like yeah it 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 starts getting in my fat face a little bit too much when I'm eating or like in my mouth. And that's what I'm like, yeah. all right, I could just
1: shave this, but y- yeah. Or the, the winds time. like blowing in one direction and it's just like going getting in front of your face, your face. like in, s- sat in front of your eye. And it's just like, you gotta be kidding me. Like what, what am I doing? Yes. But yeah. Yeah. And, but honestly this year I've, I've hunted a lot this year. Uh, more than than I maybe ever have uh, for whitetails. Um, well, I guess I didn't start until I guess the middle of October. I hunted mule deer. I was I was in Alaska in September hunting moose, and then I went to hunt mule deer in South Dakota and had a freaking blast getting to do that. And I came back and I was just like, "Holy cow, it's whitetail season!" And honestly, I went into the year of just like I'm just going hunting. It w- wasn't like hunting a particular buck or anything. And then, of course, the, the old trail camera trick, you know, <laughs> one one decided that even though I knew that buck was there, he he gave me the uh, enough that, like, I really want to hunt this deer. And I thought I could kill him in that, like, third week in October. And I just, I could not figure out where this deer was, was bedding at, for, to be honest. Like, I mean, I tried, and it was just a really, I hunted some really flat, big wood stuff this year Mm -hmm. and I've hunted it in the past, but I put like most of my season into this area. And, and honestly looking back on it, I I don't know why, because I hate hunting flat, big wood stuff. It's so difficult for me to, to figure out some of the movements because you're, I I was working on just edges so much and just different in vegetation types versus when you have terrain that can also, impact movement. And I, in my opinion, hunting areas with terrain is easier for me to, to figure out, especially when you get into that pre rut rut frame And, and, uh, but I was, I was hunting this deer and I just kept, I mean, I felt like it was just, I was doing this. I wasn't doing the same thing over again, but it felt like it, you know, like every, I was in the same area, I'd be in different trees or I was on the ground or I was in like, but I, I was hunting a lot, and, and honestly, it was the best year that I've ever had as far as buck sightings. Um, I, I saw so many deer this year, which is great in a, in a lower deer density area, but I do think the population is coming back a little bit, so I think that had a play. A lot of young bucks, mm-hmm. a lot of moving, but I didn't, and in, in hunting really... Every day from like October 25th to November the 12th in PA, I never saw the seeking phase of the rut. I either saw a full-on chasing, or they were locked down. Like I, 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 well, I jumped a buck that was locked down with a doe, but like everything was, it was weird. Like my normal travel areas, I'd try to hunt. I wouldn't see any deer when I hunted there, but when I'd go to specific doe groups that I knew from previous years when they kind of came into heat and I played off of that. Then it was like, I was having just madness in, in those places. So it was, you know, a typical rut from a, a hot and cold, you know, mm-hmm. going back and forth, so sort to of speak. But that was something that, that, uh, this year was, like I said, I saw a lot of deer, a lot of bucks, um, I had passed on a, a pretty good buck early I ended up seeing that big one on Halloween in uh, in the beach brush, and and the the thing that I've learned in the in the past, but it was just like even more more in my face this year was how much those older deer, even during the rut, don't like to come out of cover, and even when you're hunting the edges of it, if you can't shoot into it, you're kind of out of the game, and and mm-hmm. the beach brush will get so thick in those spots that. I can't even get a find a shooting lane into that stuff, and I felt like I was just like I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of one of those situations. So yeah. that was, um, and then I did on November seventh, I did hit a buck in a shoulder, um, and I, I still don't understand. I was actually talking to Lee Ellis about this because so I I don't I haven't used expandable broadheads. Really ever? Uh, I mean, I have killed a few deer with them, but not never is my primary arrow. And and I got in it got into my head where I was like, someone is telling me like, oh man, you gotta try these heads out. They're great, you know. And I believe they are good heads, but my mindset has always been to aim for that that V, you know, that vital V area right and hold tight to the shoulder. So I did and honestly it looked like the arrow like bounced off of him. Like it, it hit and dropped straight down to where the knock was hanging down at, mm. at down at his feet and he, you know, ran about forty yards and just walked away and, and I came back in the morning and followed blood for five hundred yards. He never slowed down, never bedded down, nothing and grid searched and, and then still hunted the area trying to never never to be seen. Mm. And so that was that was heartbreaking. Obviously you never want to have that happen. And, uh, but you know, it's funny when I sh- been shooting fixed blades my whole life, when I make a bad shot, it's always back. <laughs> so I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, expandables. This will make sense. You know, yeah. open them up. Well, of course that's, you know, the opposite happened when I had that yeah. on. So yeah, it was, um, but yeah, that, that scenario was, was really cool where, um, I was, there was this, this doe bedding area that I found in, actually, it was 2016. I was hunting. It was this big, wide, like, wide creek bottom. It was in this flat area, but it had a little bit of a slope that went down this bottom. Big bottom, beaver pond there, and there was a bunch of blowdowns just up on the bank, and I had always bumped does out of there, and where I'd scout it in the spring, it was always a bunch of beds, and I was like, I just basically went in blind and was like, I know this held does in the past, So I came down across in the morning and crossed the beaver pond and hopped up on the bank and just climbed up in the tree. Wind was blowing down out of it. And, and, um, I heard a bunch of grunting going on on the other side of the the blow downs and I got out my grunt tube and just gave it to him pretty good. And he came in like, you know, just ready to roll. Uh Um, so that, that was a, that was a super cool encounter, but, the, the one thing, the other thing I, I learned this year was, so I, I've always been big on calling. You and I have done a podcast on mine before mm-hmm. where we talked almost, you know, a lot about calling and my calling just didn't seem to work this year. I don't know what it was. I did a lot of calling mm-hmm. and not a lot of responses, so I... I I don't really know what to uh, what to chalk that up to at this point, but it was a similar situation with with my dad um, and uh, also my cousin that that I, we were t- talking about it. It was just uh, an interesting uh, kind of, I guess, uh, analysis of of how that went this year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I keep I'm I'm struggling to bring myself to call in a lot of situations, which is weird. I feel like I'm. And and granted, I've been hunting a lot more open country this season, which won't always be the case, just the way that I get. I also am trying to stay a little close to home this year because I got a bum knee that's still kind of recovering. So I kind of take a little more breaks this year. But uh, (laughs) I keep finding myself like today, for example, we were sneaking through this creek bottom and I keep just coming up with all these reasons why doing something more aggressive, like rattling, for example, like why, you know, the setup won't work where I can't just bring myself to do it where I feel like in the past when, you know, things have been going really well, it's like you just, you say, okay, if he comes that way, I'm going to just lose that game. And then you do it and then yeah. you move on. And I feel like I keep getting real hung up on it, which is just, I don't know, a weird problem. I feel like I can't, I want to, is like in my head. I'm like, no, I'm going to go like, you know, crashing through this place, making a bunch of calling setups, and then I get there and I'm like, ah, well, what if? And I feel like I'm overthinking it, which is just a weird thing that I'm going through currently.
1: That's, yeah, <laughs> that's not that's not typical for you. And I wonder no. if it had to do with that knee surgery, that something the doctors put into you, that's you know making you overthink <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, th- I think one thing that that is uh, that is
0: a little interesting is it has. I know that it has in general held up my aggressive attitude towards things. There's something that's missing this year that, um, like when I'm making a stock or moving in on something, it's, it's just, it's still not quite there. I mean, I know that it's not forever, but we're only yeah. like, I think it's eight months since I had surgery. So it's like, it's definitely not a hundred percent. Like, I don't know. I guess, uh, if anyone's listening to this and they're, about to have knee surgery or have had knee surgery or whatever. It's like, it's going to be a long time, you know, yeah. like, and you can hang it like 75% for a long time. And I think, you know, when they say it's going to be a year, or, you know, you've even had people say like, you know, a couple of years for before they really feel like themselves again. It, it's feeling more and more true. Now, again, not to say that I can't get around and do stuff for the most part, fine, but it definitely is a different game when you can't just like jump down on all fours and crawl real easily. Like I have been able to do in the past, you know, that changes yeah. things a lot. But yeah, anyway, someone like I,
1: you, that's so active too. Like that's, it's gotta be hard. I mean, uh, I'm sure at the beginning too, cause I remember when, I remember when you told me it happened, or maybe I saw you right after it happened. Um, might have it. WTF. Yeah, with, probably. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. And, uh, I was like, man, that's, that's going to be a tough one, especially for you being someone who is so active and like, you know, you know, with your hunting style of everything and just like very active and moving and up and down and over and crawling and doing all these things like that's not a, not an easy, easy task by any means. No, but like every day that goes by, you know, you're
0: just a little closer to getting back to what it was. And I, I do feel fully confident that it will. It's just or you know very close whatever but it's still just yeah you know, she's still tender down there but we'll get by Yeah. Her. but one thing that you said that I find interesting and feel like isn't something that's talked about a ton is hunting doe bedding areas specifically Maybe maybe we've talked about this before but it doesn't seem like it like hunting does during the rut is something that at some point in the season, I always have to slow myself down and say, hey, don't overthink this. Just go to where the deer are. And a lot of times I think I or uh, our group will refer to hunting just like heavy concentrations of sign. But like what we're kind of talking about at the end of the day is just where there's a lot of does. And then yeah. if you're watching like something on TV where it's a, a property with that's managed and has like you know, food plots and stuff. A lot of times you'll see evening hunts take place even in the middle of November or, you know, in the peak of the, the, you know, cruising and stuff, you'll see guys hunting over these food sources in the evening. And I think a lot of that is just because, Hey, that's a concentration where that buck knows he can go to find does, but just talk a little bit about like your approach to that and how much weight you put on it when scouting because you did mention finding that area when scouting and i can Mm -hmm. guarantee you that i don't pay enough attention to specific doe bedding areas as i should in some situations
1: well yeah and and it's it's funny because we put so much emphasis on Buck sign and finding bucks and doing all this stuff and like and and me included on that like I I am always looking for all right, where's the buck bedded at where's what's he doing what's his sign where's you know his home range and finding this stuff but when it comes to the rut and which is when I spend most of my time in the woods if like a lot of times I'm other places or I'm out west early season like I I don't spend a whole lot of time hunting that early so I don't get why I've always focused so much on on trying to figure out bucks at that point and where like when you are hunting the rut or if guys are taking trips out of state during the rut it's like finding the where the does are is is super important and, and does in my opinion are hard to really e-scout and be like i bet does are going to be bedded mm-hmm. here because a lot of times does are kind of bedded at random but they have the group that keeps them secure so it, it takes this walking through the areas to be able to find, you know, where they're, where they're at exactly. And, and I was talking to Johnny Stewart about it and he was like, he said that in the rut, he was struggling there for a while, which he ended up uh, killing a great deer, but he was like, man, I've spent all this time just focusing on these bucks and I don't even know where the does are. You know, he's like, I, I, I can't, I don't, I can't think of where I've seen does or what's going on. And now like anytime I'm going through and I find a concentration of, does whether I bump them or I find a bunch of beds a good feeding sign I'm marking that stuff and having that in my head so now when I'm looking at my map I've got all right doe group here doe group here and whether it's you know setting up in these you know quote-unquote funnels in between or how they're traveling through that's that's one thing but the specific doe groups for me when I go to hunt them it's kind of a high risk or not not really high risk it's just there's a chance you don't see anything, uh, or, you know, cause if they're not in, if there's not a doe and estrus at that time in that group or anything, it might be pretty dead for a little while, but it's kind of a chance that, that, you know, I'm willing to, willing to take. And, and this year putting some emphasis on that, it felt like it, once I, I was able to recognize that really in the middle of, of hunting through the rut and shifting to that, I started getting, back into those encounters again and having that and so and and like the the places that that i'll find does a lot of times especially during the rut is like they're being harassed so they they tend to go to that thicker cover and just bury themselves in it Mm -hmm. and just and so it, it can be kind of difficult to find a setup to hunt and what i was doing was even though I'd scouted these areas ahead of time, the winds are always changing and everything. So I wasn't going into the dark and climbing a tree. I'd get in there right around daylight and kind of feel it out and figure out what tree I was going to get in. If I was going to hunt, you know, from a tree or if I was going to hunt from a ground, I just, and also I've learned that when you're hunting those specific doe bedding areas, rarely do I have encounters at first light. It's because... You know, those does sometimes are not coming back to bed until 930 in the morning. So and the bucks kind of know that I think a lot of times they lay down first thing in the morning after running all night Mm -hmm. and then they get up that mid morning and started searching. So out of I want to say it was 18 bucks that I saw over a 16 day period and. All of them but two were between ten and two, and we always, you know, you hear that, but like that's what I saw. It mm-hmm. was just like middle of the day, a lot around noon, just like checking those those doe groups, and it was uh, it was really interesting. And and one thing that what really gave me a visual is when not to jump ahead to West Virginia, but just something that when you're hunting open country which, you know, you hunt a bunch out west of this open country, you can actually see the movements and how they're going. And watching bucks go from doe group to doe group, as I was sitting there glassing, and I was like, all right, there's two or three does in this bottom. There's two on this side hill. There's two on this side hill. And I watched a buck in a matter of 20 minutes cover, hit all three of those doe groups, (laughs) and just on a mission. Like, I was trying to plan a stock, and by the time I tried to plan it, he was gone. Yeah, cruising bucks.
0: (laughs) Honestly, yeah. like, like if you're hunting, <laughs> yeah, if you're hunting in the woods, they're they're fun. If yeah. you're hunting open country, forget about the cruising buck. I, I mentioned the one that we saw today. <laughs> yeah, worthless. We spent waste <laughs> burnt two hours watching that thing walking circles, and it's like, yeah, maybe you can cut him off, but with like, you know, so much vast ground to cover, you know, yeah. he could you're just not hot. yeah. You got not like when stalking, like keeping my eyes on something. It's like as soon as you go in there. And he takes a different trail and goes past you, and then you're sitting there the rest of the day waiting for this buck that's already gone. It's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's coming. Yeah. yeah.
1: He went through before he even got there, you know? And that, yeah, that's, that's, that's so true. But the, the specific doe groups, and, and even, even though a couple years ago, as I really started like marking that stuff and, and, and figuring it out, because it was just like something I'd come across every year is like, where are the doe's at? And mm-hmm. it was something I hadn't focused on, but the, the trail camera stuff and, and, you know, I'm, I'm very analytical on looking at historical uh, Mm -hmm. data, especially in, in areas, areas that don't have Oak trees. I believe historical data during the rut is really good because if it's all browse, the, there's not these food sources that are changing so much that they're doing similar things year after year. So it was like, I'd get, you know, I'd look at my trail camera pictures and I would save the doe pictures versus, you know, worrying all just only saving buck pictures and deleting them. And I'd look at, okay, I had does in this area during these weeks and, you know, or during this time frame. Or all of a sudden, you know, one big, one huge indicator is if I ever see a doe on camera that lays down next to a scrape, that next day is going to be wild. Like it's always, it seems like when they're ready, they just like lay down by the scrapes and are like i know hey, you're boys. coming through <laughs> yeah and uh so that that that's something that's also interesting that i've noticed with Yeah, so that those. is really
0: interesting cuz yeah, i i yeah, that's a, that's pretty cool. I uh yeah. one thing that you said though about the open country and like one of the things that is a goal of mine always is to try to hunt as many different habitat types and train types as possible because I hear, I hear people say, you know, well, you know, come, come over here and hunt. It's not that way here. It's like, yeah, I, I get that. But the more of these types of places that you hunt, the more experience you get in all of them, it helps you hunting open country flat out, buddy, helps you hunt timber. I, I like, I I fully believe that. Now, on the other hand, hunting timber totally helps you hunt open country. It's just to have those different experiences, I think is really helpful. So it's cool to hear, you know, yeah. you say something similar. Cool. Cause I, it's just something I felt for a long time.
1: My, my cousin Mason, he, he's been super, super successful year in year out. Yeah, he, he shot was, some huge and, bucks, dude. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he, and what, what he said, cause you know, I was talking to him and I was like, you know, it really seemed like, especially, I mean, he he's always been very good, a very good hunter, but in the last six or seven years, He's just been like automatic and I was like, what do you think it is? And he goes, when I started hunting mule deer out West and seeing how bucks shift beds and how they're moving and how they're working through landscape, he's like, it's not exactly the same. It's not an exact translation, but he's like, that has helped me take basically all this timber that we have that you can't see 40 yards in for the most part and just like act like it's not there and be able to try to visualize how they're moving through terrain and landscape and and you know how they shift beds and do things throughout the day and and it was just and I was like yeah like you know hunting when I was out in South Dakota and and hunting mule deer out there and hunting whitetails in West Virginia and seeing that stuff it 100% translates it's not the exact same when I say 100% I don't mean it's an exact translation but there's so many things that you can pull from that to learn and What you said about just hunting different areas. I mean, I don't care if you're hunting, even if you're hunting different species, Mm -hmm. you can learn so much about, you know, hunting elk and, and different things can help you just be more well-rounded and at least be able to recognize situations when you go into Mm -hmm. things. But it's funny what you say about like, you know, guys will say to you, Oh yeah, come over here and, you know, and do this. (laughs) Any, every single person thinks wherever they are is the hardest place Absolutely. including myself you yeah. know like i mean you oh, get yeah. these you get these things in your head of like oh man it's yeah if th- these guys you know came here let's we'll see how they do you know and hunting, is like, hard,
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, hunting is hard period yeah i mean exactly
1: right i, I guess exactly maybe unless right. you're in a
0: high fence area but like that's not even you know
1: yeah that's, that's not, not for that's me not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no that's uh i
0: mean another thing and another another thing that you said about like watching you know observing an open country bucks checking does another way you can learn a ton from that is tracking and i think that's really cool like watching how deer are interacting through following tracks is just you know a never-ending learning game you know you just constantly get to see different examples and that's pretty
1: sweet too well, yeah, my brother, um, I was just talking to him before we jumped on this podcast. He just shot a buck and he go went uh with his he goes with his in-law's family. They have a camp middle of nowhere in p a and every year it's like their tradition that from the first day from first light, they start doing deer drives mm-hmm. and they've got they've learned these areas so well that they you know they know what these deer are gonna do when they're escaping and from hunting in the snow, especially doing these deer drives, watching how bucks, when they're pressured, what they, what they do. And they always, it seems like they always try to circle back around at some point to get back to where they were Mm -hmm. and where they feel safe at. And by looking at tracks and being able to, to see that it's, it's, it's super cool. We just, we just got some snow here and, and, uh, I've been like looking at the different areas and what got, what areas got more snow than others you know, versus a dusting. Some places oh, yeah. got three or four inches. I was like, I want to go look for tracks yeah. and uh, do it that way. But
0: no, it's it's one of my favorite ways, and I've not even done it even close to successfully. It's just really fun to, you know, jump out of the truck and be like, well, I guess the reason I like it in a nutshell is it feels like nothing could ever go wrong. Okay, you bump one, <laughs> who cares? At, like I don't care at all. Good. Right. Like now, you know, right where he's at now, get get going. You know, it's like, I I love that idea. And I feel like, I mean, while it's not that simple, it's like, I mean, where, when you're bow hunting and you're in the timber and you're still hunting around and all of a sudden one (laughs) goes running and you're just like, shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's it that's my day but yeah. it not always but you know it feels like at the moment we're tracking it's like you know i'm always hoping to watch one like you know bail out of there it's like oh now now we're on but i do yeah. really enjoy that
1: <laughs> yeah because like when you're when you're in the timber bow hunting like and you're still hunting through somewhere it's like a lot of the day you're like, I don't even know if there's something in this area. So you're like, you have this mind game. And then it's like, as soon as you let your guard down, it seems like that's when you jump one up and it's like, well, there goes. (laughs) Totally. Yeah.
0: It's, it's pretty funny. It's, I always call, call it like when you, when you're hunting your best, if you're still hunting or sneaking, you know, you're never taking a play off. Like you're never making a, a, a misstep or, and if you do, you pause and you reset and you like retune into your environment but it's a hard thing to stay super focused on i mean i would never want anybody to sit here and think that i every single day you know have no issues and i never you know make a bad step it's like hell no man i like actually recently i feel like i'm struggling to get in tune i think part of it is is a little bit with like, you know, you get a bum knee or I missed all Turkey season. Like there's certain things that I think help me hone that skill. And I'm just, I just feel a little off this year, which makes a little sense, but you know, I, I struggle with that, you know, opaque legs yeah. that we said, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, I wear this, this thing and it's like oh. under my pants, you know, and it, it's great. Cause it makes me feel like I'm not gonna, you know, hurt it again because I definitely get in some yeah. weird situations where I'm like bending it backwards or would if that thing wasn't on. But like, you know, I got just like this gigantic right leg right now, and it's it's a weird deal. But
1: yeah, I just picture you going through the woods and like that one leg just kind of dragging, you know, <laughs> pulling it along. To the yeah. <laughs> I'm like picking it up and moving it along with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so uh what uh what else like are some of your takeaways from hunting the flat stuff this year because i know you said you didn't like you don't like doing that but like certainly hunting that more this season you learn some things and i i feel like to um well i guess one one thing that i would be curious about is when you say flat it's more like just a
1: rolling type of situation right um this is pretty flat like not not much even rolling for miles and then it would like drop off into bottoms and then it might you know there there there's sections that might be rolling but you might find a mile mile and a half of literally no topography change it's just flat and kind of some swampy areas in it not true swamps where you need waders or anything but just you know where you're going through and having gators is a good idea because Mm -hmm. it you might sink in up to your knees a little bit but it's more just like mossy kind of grassy stuff that's open areas that are mixed in but it's just really vegetation vegetation transitions are so important in that time than like what I found was like, I just try to find those places that have the most differences going on, the most changes going on. And, and, and that's like the starting point. And then once you're there, you know, I'd be like kind of fine tuning on where I was going to sit or set up. Like there's one corner I of this, there was a clear cut that was cut probably, well, I know it was cut five years ago, but they just went through and herbicide sprayed it. So they herbicide sprayed all the underbrush. So it's almost like a new cut at that point because everything's dead. Mm -hmm. And so it's pretty open uh, throughout that. And this one corner of it where it met, it met like a 30-year-old clear cut. It met the other part of the five-year-old clear cut that didn't herbicide spray. So you have like eight-foot tall uh, beach brush in it. And then on the other edge is a swamp. So there was a lot of things meeting at that corner and and not I mean they didn't meet at a perfect, you know, cross, but within, you know, a hundred yards or so, a lot of this stuff was going on. And there was a lot of concentration of deer at this scrape that was there. But you know, just hunting that scrape wasn't the ticket. It was kind of out in the open a little bit. So it took some fine tuning. I started with kind of hunting out in that herbicide spray so I could see and just kind of understand how the movement was working. And it was like, okay, these younger bucks, they're coming out across here. They're hitting the scrape. They're doing this stuff. But the the older bucks I was seeing was like they were tucking back into this stuff. So I was just like poking a little bit more, and I'd get here. But then the wind would be a little bit shifty, and, and I wouldn't see anything. And I'm like, is it because I, you know, did I blow them out? What did, what did I do? And I just kept moving around in these places, and that was – that was a big, uh, learning thing for me. Like a lot of times when I'm in terrain type spot, I might have one or two trees that I can sit in these funnel type areas. And those are the trees you need to be in. (laughs) But this, that type of stuff took a lot more fine tuning and just kind of moving around and playing with it. And the last night that I was there, I'd set up, there was a little logging road that came out into the herbicide spray all through the middle of the beach brush. And that was my best place I could get in to where I had a couple gaps in that beach brush. And then maybe thinking that they might cross that logging road um, and have a little bit of an opening. And I, 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 it was actually, this is, I'll, I'll start at the beginning of this day. So I'd been hunting. I don't know, it was fifteen days straight at that point. I was I was honestly just wore out and I just wanted a break, but I had one more day before going to West Virginia and I'm like, get your head together. Well and you were my like, body I'm had am forcing it, dude. I'm forcing <laughs> it. I'm not having fun, but I'm forcing I, it. I, you know? I do that every year, every season at some
0: point. It's just like yeah. you're like drained and you're just like I'm going no matter what. And it's like, yeah, sometimes I look back on those days and am like probably should have just slept in. <laughs>
1: oh, well, this is that's the funny thing. So my body decided that it was going to subconsciously turn my alarm off and uh, not wake up. So then I do wake up to my driveway alarm going off. So I have like an alarm in my driveway when vehicles come in. And I'm like, and I wake up and I see sunlight and I'm like, oh man. So I, I open my shades out of the bed and there's a nice eight point buck chasing a doe around my yard. Oh. And I, so I'm like, okay, this is how this is going to go. It's perfectly frosty morning. I mean, everything you'd want to to be there. So I get them, I get up, <laughs> I decide I'm going to make eggs and bacon at this point. Cause you know, this is hey, how it's hey, going. So that's I'm, a good, I'm that's a, th- that's a good move. I, I support that. So I make that those eggs and bacon and then I go out get my stuff go out to my truck and he's locked down with this doe right by right outside of my yard like I could see them there I'm like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shoot a deer right here in my yard that's not the experience that I want uh, so I get in my truck and I go out in the woods and I get there I get up to the tree I want to be in and I'm putting my bibs on at the tree and this little seven point comes cruising by me at like 15 yards and I'm like all right yeah we're getting into this and I get up there and I see a little bit of spikes chasing around dough and stuff and some you know fun act, rut action. But right before dark, uh, it's probably about 20 minutes of legal shooting light left. But it was it felt felt darker, you know. And mm. I, I hear something coming through this beach brush. I'm like, oh man, here he comes. And uh, it's kind of off to my side. I'm looking over, looking over my shoulder and looking. And it's he's just going super slow. And I, I could that deer, I couldn't see him at this point, but it felt like he got right to the edge of that logging road and he was just stopping and listening before he'd walk out into that that open spot. And it's only you know five yards wide that that open. and he waited until it got basically dark, came out and I could just see this dark body and it came down towards me about 20 yards and then cut right back into the beach brush again and I'm like that's what a a big buck does you know like that's the kind of movements that they do but it was just like it was it was cool to see but it was also kind of like a kick in the nuts to end yeah. you know my archery season in yeah. PA uh to to have that but it was just I learned I definitely learned a lot as far as how how they move through some of those different transitions and how they're using that stuff and it's just like I mean, to really simplify it, it's like cu- like if you're hunting mature bucks, it's like it's cover, 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 security, security, security. Yeah. And that's just what they're what they're doing. And they even even, you know, sometimes you might get them if they're chasing or something, you know, squirt out and open and stuff. But for the most part, even when their brain is a little bit off, they're still on oh, yeah. enough to to, to do that. And, and it was, it was crazy too, because I was worried about this area because there was so many cameras that I had found, but in, I spent 14 out of 16 days there and I never saw another hunter. So that was, that was good. And, and, and not to go down a whole nother tangent here, but just one thing that I've been thinking about a lot with, I I see so many cell cameras now and, and I, I do use some cell cameras and I'm not against them, but I was just like, man, you know, this sucks. I'm seeing all this. But I th- really believe that people don't hunt if they're not getting pictures of at deer. At least a, so at maybe least a fair keeping, percentage of them. Yeah, at least a fair percentage of them. And it's keeping people out of the, the woods a little bit. And areas like that are lower deer density or Really, really any public areas that deer aren't on these patterns where three days in a row they're going to come out in daylight and do whatever it's like that that might be an advantage of like it. it's almost like it's perceived pressure mm-hmm. more so than it is
0: yeah oh it yeah def, i would say it definitely is that the perceived pressure is is a real thing though it definitely has driven me out of areas i mean coming up on you know those like areas where there's just you know cameras lying down a ridge it's like i mean i guess this guy owns this one this isn't yeah. i can't come over here because he's just got shit laying around everywhere <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> But but uh, I guess the one thing that I wanted to mention about what you said about the uh, buck hanging out on the uh, edge of the logging road and listening. Yeah. mean, you say that's what a big buck does. I mean, that's what even not that big of a buck does. Like the one I shot in Pennsylvania a couple of years ago, yeah. he did the same thing. He made a move and we heard him come down to the edge of that logging road. And I'm pretty sure he bedded down. He either bedded down or didn't actually move a muscle for a long time like 20 30 minutes maybe and then grunt we grunted made a little bit of noise and then he came right down right to us and it's just interesting that you know at some point in their life they get that life experience that tells them hey i need to be a little bit smarter you know even that buck that i shot while he wasn't the oldest buck in the woods i don't even think he was the oldest buck in that area like some you know maybe he'd been missed something you know maybe somebody had skipped one off his back or something something taught that buck to be smart you know smarter than just walking right out into that cut until he heard something else that confirmed okay i'm probably good well that tricked him but he was i don't (laughs) think i honestly don't think you would have came out there unless we grunted you know i really don't
1: well i you know first of all I always assume any buck I don't see is the biggest buck there. Absolutely. So, so that's just like a mind thing that I play with myself. But oh, two, I think that's a great I attitude wish, though. Can you imagine if you were able to see through a deer's eyes and like, to see that experience that made them weary because it's probably comical. Like oh, you, you're sure. like looking through their eyes, you come up and, you know, it looks up and it sees you standing there as you're sneaking through in a ghillie suit. And it's just like thinking you're being stealthy. And he's like, Oh my God. You know, takes Look at off this or, or like, or like whatever it is. Like I, I don't know. I just, oh, I've thought about that before of like, I want to know some of the things that these deer have seen with the hunters out there including myself oh yeah (laughs) did oh
0: absolutely i mean yeah there's a lot of uh there's a lot of things that i think about that bucks have seen and it's like my friend my friend shane says something hilarious it's like and i started picking up on the fact that he says it a lot like it's a it's a thing that you know he, (laughs) he really uh hits home a lot is you know well you know we're at least gonna go scare one you know, it's like the, the yeah. word for some reason, the word like you know, people with hunting or you know, deer, a lot of times they say spook, but but scare is funny because it's so true. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hell yeah, you're scared. I mean, you ever watch their eyes go like they're you ever, you ever like as a driver, or maybe you wish you would have been a driver, but you're just walking with your bow and you like come around like a dead log or something, and there's a deer laying there and he just goes. And yeah. you're just like, yeah, that thing's scared of me, you know. It's it's, yeah. it's moments like that that make them, you know, probably rethink some of the decisions they've made in the past. But
1: yeah, um, yeah, it, yeah. Their their eyes literally like almost like bug out. Oh yeah, it's it's, lo- it's it's they look up. It's like a dog, like when you you know you kind of catch a dog off guard. But like seeing a deer do it, there's just something there's something really funny about it. And especially like, and it, it's not so funny at the moment, but like yeah. you see like this like. You know, the especially like you jump like one of the biggest bucks you you know you've ever seen, and like you just dream of this, and you see him, and his eyes are big, and it's just like, oh man, he he's not he's not gonna mess that up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so uh, funny, man. I, yeah. yeah,
0: I remember the one time that it happened to me. I was I was you know a driver, and at this point in my hunting career, I did not know how to be a driver. I'm just probably crashing through the woods and not really you know, putting a lot of strategy behind it. And I walk around this log and there's a younger buck. He wasn't, he wasn't a real old buck, but I remember how big his eyes got. I mean, he was like, you know, feet from me. And it was, it was one of those ones that just like burned into my brain. But yeah, it's hilarious how that happened. But so I guess before we start going down too many tangents here, I do want to ask like what the transition was like from, you know, hunting the big woods to, you know, your stock and like what you learned from that, what you have learned in, you know, the last couple of years from all that and just like some, some of your main takeaways and I guess, you know, the story, anything you want to talk about with that. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm all
1: ears, man. So yeah, West. So I started going on to West Virginia, to hunt with josh elderton with the untamed i guess it was three years ago josh i absolutely love him man he's i know you've spent a lot of time with him and aren't you are you going to hunt with him here next month
0: i I, that's the hope i mean the hope would be that if i can uh manage to you know fill some of the tags that i've got sitting in my pocket unfilled right now (laughs) i was hoping to be there like right now would be ideal but kind of just yeah i don't know what things at some point soon. Yes. Yes. Okay.
1: Well, so Josh, and I remember when I met him and he was just, you know, such a kind person and just so, you know, he's like, why don't you come down here and hunt with me? And, uh, and you know, you hear that kind of stuff all the time. And honestly, like, it's just schedules and stuff never really line up. Then that's just the way it is. You know, you and I have talked about hunting together for a while and it hasn't happened. It will at some point, but it's just, things get busy. But I was like, I had shot a a buck in 2021 in PA opening day, and then I killed one in New York, and I just felt like I was on a roll. I'm like, I want to keep hunting, you know, and and I had vacation time left from work at that point, and I was like, and Josh, was like, why don't you come down here with me? So I went down, and and he took me under his wing, like it was like having a coach there that you know spent his whole life hunting these reclaimed coal mines in this open country mixed with some timber and everything there, and. And I learned so much from him that first year. And I was really fortunate that year to have stocks, although I didn't do so well on them. I had stocks Mm -hmm. and I learned, you know, some valuable lessons on, you know, when you're hunting on the ground like that in those positions on drawing and when you should draw and when you shouldn't and reading the, the bucks temperament and how they're you know, how they're, they're moving and, and doing things. And during the rut, like you're saying, when they're cruising can be, be, be kind of difficult, but Josh has done good at times when he finds him in these Valley fills, which, uh, or Valley fields is both you and I, I listened to that, that episode you did with them. And I did the same exact thing until I Googled it and realized I couldn't get it to come up. And then it came up Valley fill, uh so that was that was really funny that you thought the same thing (laughs) dude we've been saying that
0: for so long we're like we're we're like what the hell is that then you learn (laughs) then you learn
1: well so basically you know these benches so like that at that point there there was a buck that was cruising on this bench and we saw and it's like he's coming around the spot and they're like all right thermals are you know, pulling up here. So I dropped down to one bench above them. Basically, and it was like 35 yards to the next one and just waited while well, that deer ended up squirting up one of those like rock ditches and getting up above us and moved into position. It was pretty close and I didn't draw at the right time. And I was cause he was not in a good position, but I, I should have drew and just waited for him to get in the right position. Didn't work out. So I, Telling you this is just to say that I've screwed up a bunch of times leading up to it. Last year, I I started. I did. I think I I was only down there for like four days, but I had I'd went on a couple of stocks and even on does, and I was just like even screwing up there. And I'm like, okay, what I learned was I I was moving like. I was moving too quickly even though it felt like I was going slow. It was just like every movement you got to act like even if you don't know and you can't get eyes on this deer, you've got to assume that they're there. And just taking taking your time and taking your time and and when it came into this year I that morning, well the night before we were up until Two o'clock in the morning, recording a podcast and and doing all this stuff, and got up at 4:30 to go out, and I'm just like, you know, dragging, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I get this big coffee at the gas station, and couldn't wait, had it in my my mug, and you know, and and I was like, didn't eat anything for breakfast, but I got snacks, so I'm gonna sit at the glassing point, and I'm gonna, you know, have some fun for a while while I'm glassing, get hydrated, get fueled up, get some caffeine. Well, right off the bat, you see this. Mega six point, and Josh was just saying about it the, the night before. He's like, if you see that six point, you got you should try to kill him. He's old. He's as old as can be, and just like he's got a 160 inch frame, but he's a six point. And yeah. he's the coolest buck. Oh yeah. And so I go to try to make a stock, and what what's funny is like you think of going to make a stock, and you think of all right, you see the deer, and you just keep the wind in your face, and you go in and you make the stock. Well, so many things are happening especially when they're with a doe to figure out how to move in from a visual standpoint and also keeping the wind in your advantage. And I'm trying to circle out and around. And then I got to a point where I felt like I couldn't get to the next piece of cover without him seeing me. It went back and forth and eventually that buck pushed these does into this, this just briar thicket draw. And I tried circling around and I I bumped the does out. And again, because I didn't think that they were going to be right there and I kind of just was you know lollygagging a little bit I had a camera guy behind me and I'm just I started off slow and then I'm like there's no chance they're gonna be right here well that's where they were and <laughs> I, so I blew them out and when I came back around I spotted this other buck that ended up shooting on this hillside uh, with a doe and so I got around the back side of the hill in what looks like open country out there isn't always so open mm-hmm. it's just really covered in briars and these autumnal bushes and all of this stuff so i'm trying to get through this with getting snagged my clothes are getting snagged i'm going up through here and so when the morning started it was 34 degrees and by this point this is probably i don't know two hours in it's already in the 50s and it's it's getting it's getting warmer and i'm kind of dressed for cold weather okay Mm -hmm. so it's starting to get hotter but i'm like all right so i keep going through get up i take a layer off i wrap it around my waist waistband and i'm sneaking up and i can see i can hear grunting and stuff down below me but i can't see it and i I range the bottom of the hill and it's 48 yards so it's not there's not that much in between us. And I'm like, all right, I think they're right in here. And it's funny watching the footage back because Josh had had uh, sent one of the interns, uh, Jacob, with me or to be up on the glassing point and film from up there. And so he's filming this. And you can see the buck and the doe. And you can see me kind of coming above him. And I sneak down in. And I'm like, this deer has got to be right here. Because he was with this doe. And the the vocalizations this buck made made my whole day from that point. I mean, he was he was grunting and making like a clicking noise when he I, I can't even mimic it because it was it was really cool to to be able to hear and he's just he's just circling. Almost this like dough glunking. Yeah, that's a, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And he's with this doe, and then another buck came in and he takes off after him and I thought they were gonna fight and then just walk pass each other like they're on the highway they go up he goes up he turns around kind of bumps this deer off comes back and you know is in there with it and the the footage is hilarious because i knew it was there and i'm but i I couldn't go any further because the briars were so thick and i was like i need him to come up but it's going to be like a five yard shot so i started grunting and getting aggressive and and digging up the ground and hitting trees and doing this stuff. And the footage, you can see the buck like looking up the hill, like what is going on up there? And he starts like, you know, growling at me and doing all this stuff. Well, I ended up getting, I was, I was so close. I was eight yards from the doe and I didn't know it because it was so thick in that spot and they bump out and I'm like, dang it. So I sprint around to where they're going around and trying to cut them off. And, uh, I just didn't get there in time. And they go out into this wide open bottom I mean, as wide open as you could think, and they lay down and all of a sudden they disappear. And I'm like, is it, did they slip out? You know, 10 minutes goes by 15 minutes. I'm like, did they slip out and I can't see them? I'm like, no, they've got to be there. It's just must be taller grass than, than I'm thinking in that one, one section. So I was like, man, it's 60 degrees at this point. And I haven't had coffee, haven't had water. I'm super hungry. I should just go back to her, glass into my pack, get some food and, you know, call it, you know, we'll try to relocate him and go after him. And then it's, it's something clicked in my head of like, no, like that deer couldn't have went anywhere else. You can see the landscape. You need to make, you need to make a try on it. And the wind was just off to the point where, where I had to go to stalk Adam and, was gonna be like very close, but it was, it was pretty steady, being flat there. It wasn't swirling or doing anything. So, I got out, and there was this old coal road, and I got to that spot, and I'm like, I'm gonna have to crawl from here, and and so I I got down, and I'm crawling, I'm going across this this you know this black coal road, and I'm going so slow that, I, I would only move when the wind would gust so it might be every 30 seconds it might be every 10 minutes to but i knew i needed to cover my sound because up against those rocks and the grass and when it was dead calm it was loud so i had to make those movements and i kept going and then finally i spotted a glimpse of antlers he stood up and kind of went around that doe and bedded down like okay he's there like confirmation game on and I've, I found a tree that I just had to shift over a little bit and I could keep between us the whole time but I just kept crawling kept crawling kept crawling kept crawling and he got up probably three or four times and this is over a span of three hours that that I'm crawling and you know just pulling myself forward put my bow up pulling myself forward going through this grass and and i I'm trying to range where they're at, but ranging in that grass is, is super difficult. You know, I'd get one range, 74 yards, the next one would be 48. And I'm like, what, what am I picking up on? And so finally I just started ranging that tree in front of me and estimating what the next one, how far he was from there. So I was like, when I can get 10 yards from that tree, I'm thinking they're only another 20 yards past that. Cause at one point I got to about just under 50. I'm like, should I stay here? You know, am I going to risk this? And I'm like, no, I need to make sure that when I get a shot opportunity, I'm either going to blow them out or I'm going to have a, you know, a perfect shot. And that was what went through my mind. And again, I was like having that, that confliction in my head of like, what do I do in this scenario? Because I'm not, I'm not very skilled or experienced in stalking. So it was like trying to go through these things in my head and, finally i i get up to i see a patch of like clay or soil that's in the middle of this grass and if i can get to that i'll be quiet and i can move laterally without making any noise because it's soft and it's Mm -hmm. quiet versus this grass so i got to that spot and he gets up and breeds this doe and just like goes to town (laughs) gets his job done very quick uh just because was very fast (laughs) And he, 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 he he moves off and, and it was just like, I'm like, man, that was so cool. You know, and I'm, I'm sitting there and I got, I got my release kind of clipped on at this point and he just comes around. What I found now, like afterwards was basically a little thicket inside the open area of briars and taller grass, but you can't see it until you're pretty close. And he comes around that outside of it. There was like a ring trail around it. And, you know, they were bedded within it and he came out it and it looks like he's coming kind of right at me. And I drew when he went behind that tree that I was kind of behind. And then I walked on my knees to the right, just a little bit, just like kind of moving over. And I remember I wanted to shoot and just kind of like, there's my opportunity. And I'm like, no, just, you know, settle down. He's, he has no idea you're here. This was a mistake I'd made in the past. Like, don't rush it. So I let him. Come just a little bit more and stopped him and I I guessed him at 28 and um and so I held my 25 just high lungs there I think he must have been right at 25 I hit him right there he zipped off and and ran into a a brush pile and just died 50 yards later so that's uh that's kind of how it went that's
0: awesome man there's a lot of really great tips there I think the first one is that comes to my mind and have been in this situation before is like, Oh, well, where'd he go? But then you trusted that he couldn't have made it out of there. I think that's yeah. great. I mean, I may need that tomorrow. You know, it's just one of those deals that we get in those situations often. It's like, okay, like, let's be realistic with ourselves. Could he have made it out of there? Like probably not. So committing to it is a good thing, which is step one. Yeah. I think the, The other thing is just going like he's there and you committed to that early. Like you tuned into your surroundings. He said, I don't care how long it's going to take. I'm going there. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there and just trust that he's there. Even if I burn up my whole day or, you know, I don't get my, don't get my food or whatever, which I've had that mess me up. Just the back of my mind, well, I'm going to be, oh man, I'm getting kind of hungry. And they start rushing it. Next thing you know, boom. You push too hard. The fact that you like committed to that is is really good. I like once you saw him that you could put a tree between you and him. That's like really really helpful stalking opportunity if you've got that. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then well, just and go and, ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, and like one thing that I did say to myself was like, treat this stock like this is the last stock you'll ever do. And, and this is something that's helped me in many forms, elk hunting, whitetail hunting to get your mindset, right. Especially after you've been doing it for days on end and you start, you know, having these what ifs in your head and all these things is just like, treat it as this is the last time you're going to have to do this. And it makes you make those decisions differently than if, oh, I've, I've got a week or I've got five days left. Like, and, and cause when you start treating it that way it, you, you tend to take shortcuts and that just doesn't, doesn't work. And, and honestly, I just had it in my head. I'm like, if I do these things right and move extremely slowly, if they don't move, then I'm going to get toast. There. Yeah. There <laughs> yeah, you got them. <laughs> I'm going I'm to get there. And and that's, and that's what, and, and it's, it's so much easier said than done, especially when you're in that, that situation. But it, it worked out and, and it ended up being, so it ended up being 74 degrees when I shot him. So it went from 34 to 74. I was hot. My mouth was parched. Uh, you know, my, my face was sunburnt. It was just like one of those things and it made it so much sweeter, you know, oh, after yeah. it, it all worked out. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I couldn't wait to just chug some water and, yeah. and get some food in me after that.
0: I think uh, that I really like what you just said about treating it like it's your last one. Because the very best ones I've ever been on, I, call, I also call it like tuning in. Like you you give up everything else. You don't care about anything else. And, and truthfully, when I imagine these situations, yeah, it's all I want more than anything in the world is that I want to be able to stalk a bedded buck. I just told Cole, who I'm hunting with right now, I told him today, I said, I love turkey hunting. I love elk hunting. I love pronghorn hunting, whatever you I love all hunting, but when a buck beds down and it's you versus him, there's no better game in the world to me. I mean, that, that to me is the most fun thing that I can do. I may actually like, you know, hunting an elk, like the full season. Maybe I like that right now a little more. Like maybe when, you know, the turkeys are really gobbling, that's more fun than the day in day out deer hunting. But when it's you versus him, man, that's something special. And when you can really tune into that and you treat it like, you know, I'm never going to get to do this again or uh, like I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm physically, mentally going to do whatever it takes to get there. Those are the ones that you execute on. I mean, rarely, rarely do you just get lucky. You know what I mean? You don't really get lucky in in stalking. In that scenario. Yeah. You don't. I mean... It's it's rare, that, I that, think.
1: That total stock lasted six hours from beginning to end, and it was just like looking back. Like I I wouldn't change it for the world. Like that, that that to me is, is awesome. That yeah, that dude. we were able to do that, and it's like you know, I blew them out once, and you might think that's the end of the world, but they really didn't. They didn't catch my wind. It was it was sound, and I don't maybe sight, but I think it was more sound is what that dough keyed mm-hmm. in on than anything and i personally believe of all the deer i've bumped or scared uh, <laughs> <laughs> all the deer that i've scared the ones that don't smell me are least scared than the ones that do smell me yeah. and so they, they just go a little ways to where they feel kind of secure and then they, you know they bed back they down forget about it they forget about it. And it was so, you know, and then being out in that, that open there, like that just opened up, you know, even looking back on it of the things that I thought weren't possible to be able to do or stock. And it's just like, no, really all of this is possible. It's just having that mindset of this is your last chance that you have figure out how to make it happen and look at what your conditions are. And I I truly believe even like, me moving only when that wind would blow That was, another is, one I was, was bring huge up, because yeah. like that, because the grass and everything, when it's so quiet and dead calm, you all that makes noise. And when they're laying there, you know, they're tuned in, those ears are going back and forth and there's a doe, which she's way smarter than that buck is most likely. And so like, I, that's who I was worried about. And, you know, I could see her ears, you know, kind of peeling up above the grass there. And at some point even kind of like bedded towards my direction. And so I was like, but the other thing I will say I think helped me was that off wind where Mm -hmm. for the most part they were facing the other direction because they had the wind at their back. And I was just, I mean, just off enough because when. When uh, Jacob was up above afterwards, he's like, man, you know, I was dropping milkweed from, you know, up above you there. And it looked like wherever you were at, it was blowing, you know, right towards him." And I was like, no, it was just, just off enough where I, you know, I felt like I could, you know, sneak in there and, and, and get it. And it just, it all worked out. And, and honestly, like I said, I learned a lot of that from Josh was just like, he's a very patient person when it comes to it and i i learned a lot from watching him do it and and having that coaching so that that's, i was uh my experience was i guess jump started a little bit than someone that's completely learning it on their own because i had a good coach
0: yeah that's awesome i i think that's really cool too um yeah the the wind thing is is a really cool one i think it's just like waiting for the wind to move you know things around you and You know, you talked about them being in tune and their ears moving, like something that I practice while I'm in the woods is just how do I, how, you know, much attention would I be paying if I was constantly worried about somebody coming up to kill me, right? Like if I was a a prey species and I was constantly worried about it, it's like, yeah, it kind of makes you wonder how the hell you ever get close to to animals stalking like that. But the the only way I feel that I've ever done it before is I tune into that world. I basically become their ears while I'm doing it. If I start to push a little too loud, and I can, you know, tell like that probably got to them. It's like now I need to <laughs> slow down, be more patient. I need to move with the wind more, or pick a different round, or whatever it may be. And I think when you do that well, you kind of, you kind of, it feels just like being in tune. It feels like when you're, uh, like playing sports and, you know, you just know where your teammates are, you know, the the play happens and you don't, you, you know, the game's going great and you're just right there with them. You don't even have to think about it. It's everything you practiced before. When you're in that moment in the stock, you kind of know you're there and you kind of know when you're not too. Like you said, on the one, you were feeling like, uh, ah, you know, they're probably not here. And like, I, I, I've recently messed up a bunch of stocks on mule deer. And I know there was a several times that I was like, man, I just never really got fully there. Like the full tune in. And I feel truthfully, I feel extremely frustrated at myself for not getting there. Like, cause I know what the problem is, but I'm just not as I'm not playing it like it's my last one you know every time there's there's some that i did and still failed but there was other ones where i like look back i'm like what the what was i doing like i just I, I lost confidence too early and then just like let a silly mistake you know lose lose the game
1: well in uh in south dakota so i screwed up two stocks out there on mule deer and i learned this is something i really learned from that one Well, both of them, I lost visual, but I knew the first one they couldn't have come out of this group of trees, and so I was like, okay. And so I go down for the stock, and I'm, you know, I'm creeping in, and my dad was up on the glassing point, and I had him running a camera, which is comical to you know as far as him running a camera, and the wind's blown like. 30 miles an hour and this lightweight tripod trying to <laughs> hold that down and like zoom in and do it. But he did, he did a good job. But it, what, what I saw was, you know, I got in really, really tight and I was in this group of trees and I'm like, where is he? Like, did he blow out? Like what, what is going on? And then I kind of like, I was like, oh, he should have blown out by this point. And I kind of let my guard down a little bit and I even kind of like stood up. And looked and nothing and I walked around and didn't see anything and anyways I come around and I walk all the way back up to the top of this big cliff where we were up there glassing and my dad's like that you were in this group of trees and that buck came out and I can't help but think that maybe when I let my guard down and I stood up or whatever that that caught that they caught me mm-hmm. now the wind did shift a little bit too so maybe that was it but Nonetheless, you can see it in the video. This buck runs out, and he's, like, looking back, and I'm in there, you know, just in the, the middle of it. And then later, a couple of days later, I spotted three bucks that went up, and they bedded in the timber. So I couldn't – I could see where one of them was at times, but then the sun was coming up over that side. So, like, you, you know, you look through your glass, and when the sun's shining in it, it kind of no, gives, like, a haze. Yeah. And, and you good. can't really see very good. And so – but I was like, all right, I'm going to try it. It's the last day I'm going to go in and I did this big, long stock, drop down this, this valley, get in to work close. And I had a waypoint marked where I thought they were. And I get in there and I'm like, man, I just I, my confidence was low, real low. And all of a sudden I see this, this goofy buck that i really want to shoot you this like big spike on this side just a goofy looking deer full velvet and in you know october so really it was yeah he's he goofy, he goofy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so he so he uh he takes off and and i go like running at him because i thought i could get around this knob and get another shot at him or whatever and didn't work out and then i just kind of like you know i just walk back to see where they're bedded at and then the other two bucks hadn't moved and i blew them out and i'm like gosh like if you woulda just committed just went through with the plan and committed yeah. the that, that it would you know you could have had a chance and that that again was all that stuff was in my head when i was on that stock in west virginia and those learning lessons and and i i'm thankful for that i had those you know, in South Mm -hmm. Dakota and and stuff when I came back to, to here, because I think that really helped me, you know, be able to make it happen. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, but the, the confidence thing, and I think that goes into all forms, whether you're hunting the rut and you're sitting in a tree day after day, Mm -hmm. you're on the ground or whatever you're doing, finding whatever it takes, you're playing your own mental games with yourself of how to, you know, rewire your brain to give yourself confidence is, is important, especially when you feel based on your scouting and whatever else that you feel like you're in the right spot. You got to find a way to trick your mind into keeping that confidence, Mm -hmm. even when you kind of think things are down,
0: which is a real, real challenge. Like I usually struggle the most when, um, so like I've been hunting a lot of open country this year, so it's so it's uh, front of my mind i've I've noticed this year something I've learned about myself is I'm addicted to being able to see. So when I do commit so for example where I'm hunting right now, it's real thick, so they'll they'll pop into sight and then they'll pop out of sight, pop into sight, pop out of sight, and then you watch them go into a pocket of cover. And then they disappear for a long time. And if I can't, like, if I can't see a big picture, like, I get down in there and I'm at eye level, and all of a sudden I can see like, like not, not even, not even thirty yards. Well, maybe like fifteen yards, maybe five yards in some spots. If I get down in there and all of a sudden I can't see, I start getting super antsy, even though I know, you know, there's probably a damn good chance he's just going to walk down this trail or on this edge or come out of this thicket. It's like, I really struggle to keep confidence. And I I don't think I have a really great answer other than just you got to lie to yourself almost. Like, even though <laughs> yeah. your your guts, not even your gut, it's like what it's what you want. You know, what I want is to get back up on the glass and now I'm saying, see what's going on down in there. But like, what good is that? At a certain point, what good does it do to just see one? Like, what yeah. happened today? You know, I, why I felt frustrated when we first got to talking is like, I kind of just watched them again and I didn't do him any good. You know, it's like, I got to get a little more aggressive and then start, you know, if I got to make moves from there, that's fine. But like, just get in there and be patient and trust it for a little bit. But then I get in the timber, it's the same deal, but like day in and day out, you're never seeing anything. You're just like, yeah, what the hell? I'm set up on the scrape again. Cool. Like, I don't <laughs> care. Like, yeah, you probably did that three days, you know. Yeah, probably coming through tonight, you know, or, or he hit it, you know, he hit it this morning and I didn't find it till midday. So why would I set up here all, you know, it's just things like that. I constantly, and it's, it ultimately, always, it always comes back to, for me, sitting. So like, if I can be active, I can be patient in the active patience, but I can't be patient and then just like, you know, wait, yeah. but you know, everybody's different. Cause I know there's people that are really good at that i think can tune into that part of hunting way easier than i can but it takes like the perfect recipe for me to be like okay i'm gonna set up and i'm gonna enjoy it because i don't even enjoy it a lot of times i do when it when i have confidence in it but if i don't yeah why would i even be there it's 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 not fun
1: well yeah i think i think i'm like middle of the road when it comes to the patience. seems side. like, like it. i can sit i can sit all day during the rut many days in a row and be able to to do that but then i look at there's guys like my uncle for example who every year gets a nice buck but literally he takes three weeks off of work and he'll sit in a couple different trees and he'll sit there for because he knows they're, they're good funnel routes and he might not see deer for three or four days in a row but he's his mindset is like He's just happy to be out, be in the tree, doing that, and he knows that if he does this thing over and over again, it's going to work, and it does. And that that takes a different mindset than. You and know, I respect that hell especially. out of it. Yeah, I really do. Like, and it, it's a very smart tactic. It just depends on what you want. But what was funny about what all led to this stock in West Virginia was the night before <clears throat> when we were doing that that podcast. So I had found this spot, a different place, um, where it was more of like your traditional timber or the top was a little bit of like kind of reclaimed mine, system so some bushes and stuff, but it was like a topo hub, big scrape found it the year before. And I, I literally said, um, I, I literally said to, on the one video, uh, when, uh for it was on the untamed channel or they were doing a scouting video with me and I was like if I sit here for four days during the rut I think I can kill a good buck. What did I do that year? I didn't sit there and three out of the four days a nice buck had come through that spot. So that came into my mind this year. So I go there and it's a ground setup spot. So I tuck into this bush and I'm sitting there brought a little chair with me so you know I'm comfortable sitting yeah. and uh I sat there that day and I was like and I was talking to Josh and I'm like, man, I've been sitting for, you know, weeks straight in PA and he's like, Bubby, you came <laughs> down here to spot and stock. He's like, that's what you wanted. That's the experience you want. I'm like, you're right. You know, and, and I do believe, and actually if I would have sat there during that time, I would have killed um, an eight point that was bigger than the one that, that I, sh- not, I shouldn't say I would have killed. I would have had an had opportunity, an opportunity yet. but that's not the experience I was looking for there and I wanted something different I wanted eyes I've I've come to love what you just said about seeing things and it, it started with out west even elk hunting like I started with hunting a lot of dark timber spots in Colorado and all these and once I started going to more of a mix of open country and being able to see personally I love that way more Oh yeah and I, I've become obsessed with it so like that's fun to me. I love glassing deer and glassing bucks and like I watching them. And even when I'm not making moves of just watching them and looking, oh man, it's like just watching this landscape and you look at it for an hour and you see nothing. And then all of a sudden deer pop up where you were looking. And like that just, to me, that is just awesome. I don't know. Like I, get, I get so fired up over
0: it. Yeah, and I don't know how to even explain why this is true. You put me in a tree stand watching, you know, a small area and sit still, can't do it. I can sit and just glue myself to a spotting scope or nose or go back and forth for just forever. I could easily do that all day. Every day would have a blast. I love it. I've always loved that. Like, I remember being a kid and I'd sit in my... Uh, grandparent's house. And there was this little window, like in a weird part of the house where I'd be able to sit and I could glass this field way up, way up on the property behind the house. And I remember just sitting there for hours every day. I'd sit there and just glass deer coming out into this field. And, and, you know, when you start, there's nothing in the field. But then by the end of the day, there's, you know, it was back then too, that area was like super populated with deer, like too many and I remember, you know, you'd start with one and then two. And the next thing you know, there'd be, you know, 20 does and five bucks out there. And you'd be like, whoa, this is pretty sweet. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's the same exact feeling I get here, you know, in 2023 when I'm just sitting behind a spotter or, you know, just pulling up binos. I, I It's addicting. I love it. But I can't sit in a tree and look at like a minimal amount of space. It's just weird. I don't know. I, I honestly can't. I think about that all the time. Like, why do I love this but then hate this? It doesn't really even make sense to me. But for some reason, they're, like, totally different.
1: No, and, and, and I think, and you, you and I have talked about this before, but the figuring out what you like and doing more of it and figuring out how to be good at that because there's there's a million ways that you can kill a buck. And it's just like, How do you find the ways that fit your style and what you like to do, Mm -hmm. but also make it effective and, and, and to be able to make it work. And I think, you know, right now I'm, I'm gun hunting in PA and, and I'm done, I'm basically done sitting in a tree. Like I, I like sitting in a tree for a portion and I just, my fun thing about gun season is still hunting and creeping around and checking things out, going to new areas and just like Mm -hmm. having fun with it from that perspective. And, and, or, or getting together with guys and doing deer drives and whatever. Like I just like, there's different stages of the season or like there's certain tolerances I have. Like I love sitting in a tree and looking at small areas for a period of time. Yeah. And then, you know, then I get to like a certain point in the season. It's like, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. And I want to do something different. And that's, and, and, and again, if I was looking at deer hunting from just a success standpoint, I'd probably do things a little bit different where yeah. I, based on the scouting that, that, that I do in the trail camera data and all this stuff, I know if I sit in some of these spots for 20 days, right. not, not, that's an exaggeration, but I sit there for a while, like I'm probably going to get an opportunity, but sometimes that's not as fun for me so i want to find other ways to still be effective but do it in a little bit of a different way
0: and arguably though too maybe more efficient at times like in my opinion i've become significantly more efficient by finding the style that i like because like for example i could sit i can feel confident and this is this is no trail camera data or anything this is just hit that spot in the woods, you're like, son, you sat there for five days straight, you're killing a buck. I feel like that I come across those places all the time. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like at this point I can confidently say that you give it five days, yeah. I mean, you don't come across like, you know, scrape after scrape after scrape with rubs and big trails crossing. Like you don't come across those places and bucks not come through there in five days, right? Like that doesn't happen. I find them everywhere, everywhere, every hunt, state hunt that I've ever been to. But I, the thing is, is like, if I go and sit those myself, especially if I'm with somebody and they're filming, like I'm probably, there's a damn good chance I'm going to be sitting there talking to the person that I'm with (laughs) and not paying any attention when the thing actually (laughs) shows up. So it's like, I'm, I'm arguably more efficient doing my style, even though, you know, it may not be the most sure way to do it. It's like when I get the opportunity, I feel like I'm more likely to be effective because that's because I'm having fun. I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm not going to enjoy, you know, day in and day out full day. I mean, I was just telling Cole this, like the 2016 season, I didn't even do it that long, but packing stands in, hanging them, tearing them down, driving home, waking up, doing it again. Like oh like that that is like my my memory of that season while i ended up shooting a nice buck at the end of that ordeal is kind of like torture like the only (laughs) fun part is is when one shows up for me you know like i mean i shouldn't say the only fun part like hanging out with the people that i was hunting with was fun but like you get to that point in the day at least for me where i'm just like this is just straight miserable i don't enjoy this at all because i'm just i don't know i'm I don't know. I think there's just something, everybody's minds work a little bit different. And I think ultimately your mind just starts running around like, what am I doing here? You know, and I can't turn that off at a certain point. And I think it just gets so, I get burned out on it quickly, you know.
1: Well, and, and to the, the thing about the efficiency that you'd said is, is, is something I think about. So, you know, I, I'm lucky that I have flexibility to hunt more than than most people do Yep. but with that being said like i still i'm not getting paid to hunt like you're saying yeah to, same to make content to make to do other things so when i'm out there for long periods of time all and i'm sitting there like i was doing it the other day i, I was like I'm going through emails. I'm, you know, I'm responding to emails. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm like, I'm not even paying attention. Something can show up. It's windy. I can't hear. So I'm not going to hear something coming. It's close quarters where I'm at. It's like, I'm going to look up and there's going to be a deer staring right at me. Bug eyed and be like, you know, and I just screwed it up and it's like, that point, you know, is it even worth being there? Should I have just taken care of this stuff for a couple hours yes, and then, yes. you know, did that? And that's <laughs> kind of what I did this morning, actually. It was like, got up and I was like, I'm going to work, get my stuff done so it's not on my mind, and then go out for a couple hours at the end of the day. And uh, But it's just... That's something I also think about when I'm sitting for long periods of time is sometimes I get distracted and this is just my personality. Uh and I get distracted and it's just like, okay, you start doing things that aren't making you in tune, but when I'm still hunting and I'm moving through like you're super focused. I am in tune. When yeah. I was out there for just three hours this, this evening, I felt like I was I was in it. You're you know gonna what get I mean? wide. you're like I, we'll yeah, one I any just second. Yeah, just going through, I'm sneaking through the laurel, and I'm finding these rubs, and I'm finding this sign, and and some tracks, and I see a doe over here, and I'm just like, oh man, you know, that'd be perfect spot if one of those does maybe she came in late, and there's a buck, you know, hanging around there, and you just start thinking these things through your head, and you're always kind of in tune with it, and again, I I love sitting, and I'm not I'm not bashing that because I do love that, and I'm not going to stop, but there's periods I've learned for me when. I need to learn that I need to shift things around and mm-hmm. and do stuff differently.
0: Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I just feel that, you know, I say this all the time, but just you got to find what works for you and just find what you're enjoying and not making it just this, like... I mean, the term grind gets thrown around a lot. And, like, I think that inevitably hunting is going to be that, right? It's not going to be easy. You're not just going to... You're not just going to walk out there and one's going to, you know, get kind of slightly quartering away for you and ain't going to give you that. But, like, <laughs> you know, he's trying to survive. This isn't a game. No matter what the species is, they do not want to just give up on it and just let you in. It's not easy. But I think that it shouldn't become so much of a grind that you feel like you're wearing yourself out and burning yourself out. And if it's becoming that, yeah, it's like, sleep in. Make the eggs and bacon. Make yourself some pancakes. Whatever. Like, just chill out and like, take a deep breath. Say, hey, this will be okay. This little break, we call them resets. Break. Whatever. Like, this is worth it, and it usually is is yeah worth it. One thing that I don't really love, I don't love getting up super early in the morning, so I just choose not to. Pretty much this whole season, I've got into the woods one time before before daylight no joke one time
1: <laughs> and i didn't see what, shit <laughs> so, well, why, what was that one time that made you decide that you were gonna do that i just felt like uh
0: you, you know honestly i don't know i think it was like i was excited about the spot i had seen a, a shooter in at the night before and then the next morning the conditions were very different i think they were just kind of like laying low you know, it was super windy, like beyond good amount of wind. And, uh, I think that played a factor and tomorrow we're going to do it again because I'm tired of waiting around and like saw same deal, saw shooters, but the conditions will be about the same. And I figure they're going to be doing the same stuff or a buck's going to be coming through there. So tomorrow is going to be morning number two, but like it's, it's actually funny. I mean, I really just don't Love it, and I also don't think it's super crucial. I mean, don't get me wrong, I do it, and there's a lot of there's a lot of seasons I do it a lot. Um, but the situations I've been in this year, just like, eh, there's no there's no reason to worry about it. Like, you know, just take my time, get in there, and I I would rather get in a little late in the morning, hunt all day, and be focused the whole rest of the day personally, than get in early and then by 10, 11 o'clock be dozing off. Cause I will do that too. You know, if I get up too early, it's like, I mean, yeah. that one day I, that one day I went in early, I tried to edit and I did, I, I didn't end up falling asleep, but I remember like sitting there editing middle of the day and being like, I ended up doing that thing where you're, you're forcing yourself to keep your yeah. eyes open, but your like brains shutting off while your eyes are open. It's like, yeah, I was doing that. So I don't like feeling like that. So I'd rather just get my sleep and, and, Feel good, then force it. But teach their own, man.
1: Yeah, but I'll tell you that the other time that I had did the whole bacon and eggs thing. I remember it was two thousand eight, eighteen. Yeah, eighteen. It was gun season, and I just was like, I felt like I didn't know what to do, and I was it was one of those things. The night before, I'm like, I don't know where to go, I don't know what to do, and I was like putting this like, I was stressing about it, and and. And so I literally got up that morning and I said, I'm going to make myself a big breakfast, bacon and eggs, ate it there. And I'm like, I'm just going to go creep. I just, I, uh, for some reason that gave me clarity of like logical thinking. I'm like, okay, it's a Saturday. There's probably going people driving this hillside, driving this top. There was this little valley that honestly I stole the term from you guys. I called it the buck nest of like, There was this little shallow valley with a couple blowdowns in it that I had seen bucks early season that were bedded in there, and then they kind of disappeared. But I'm like, I wonder if pressure would push them back in there. So I just crept along there and glassed off this this ridge down into that little bowl, and I saw it looked like a buck bumping a doe around. I got out my little bleak can, and I dumped it over twice, and that buck came right up, and I shot him frontal 60 (laughs) yards with the rifle. And I was like... Man, that just changed everything yes. in, in a matter of seconds, and I had, you know, it was it was fun to to do that, and I got my mind reset and made me think clearly. Because when you do, say you, you get up at four in the morning and you get in an hour before light, and you do that day after day after day after day, you, you start your mental thought process is just dead. Like I don't know how. There's else a reason to they say it, you but, should get eight hours of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. 100%. And like and you know and it's just like for for you and and the same thing with me it's like okay. A lot of times when we go hunting and I, this isn't a complaint but it's like you go out and you hunt and we got to come back and work on the computers and either edit or do something that's the actual work part mm-hmm. of it. To be, we have the flexibility to hunt during the day, but that doesn't mean that work just stops. So you got to, you got to get that done. So you're doing that at night and you're staying up late. And then if you got to get up early in the morning again and do it over and over, you start wearing your body out. And it seems Uh, like the, the older I get. The harder it is for me to run off of low sleep.
0: Oh yeah, I've I've just I've honestly just given up on it. And the, and the reason is is I, <laughs> the reason is is I've noticed over the years in turkey season. This is where I've really learned it because it gets gnarly in turkey season. Like yeah, you know we're talking like four hours of sleep every night or less maybe, and you go a whole turkey season. By the end of it, like. I mean, there's actually something wrong with you at a certain point. I believe like I (laughs) I notice I get real irritable. I start getting like growling at everything and everything that's going like, I can't even, you know, maybe I'm you know, trying to plug something in. I can't get it. And all of a sudden it's like, ah, you know, it's like, I'm not like this all the time. What's the one thing that's different? Well, I'm not sleeping enough. So I've recently got to the point where like, pretty much like that's number one. It's like getting sleep, getting at least enough rested that where I'm not going to get myself to that point quickly, you know? And I, yep. man, I will, if I'm not careful, I'll, I'll go, 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 go. But you take those little breaks, those resets, whatever. And it's just, yeah, I mean, it's extremely beneficial. I it's probably one of the things that I feel, um, al- along with the reset and the getting your sleep, just not letting yourself get stressed out is, and it's, it can be, at least for me, it can be as simple as just deciding, Hey, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to stress myself. Who, what does this matter? This doesn't matter. This is something I like to do and go outside and everything. But like at the end of the day, does it matter if I get one or not? Quit stressing yourself out. This is stupid. Like, why would I hurt myself like mentally by sitting there stressing about it? If I start stressing this season specifically, I've just been like, I'm done doing that. I'm not gonna worry about it anymore. I'm just gonna chill out and go. And then everything is you know, is better. I feel better. I'm just enjoy I enjoy my life more when I'm not just constantly stressed out. It's just silly. You know? It's hunting. Was it yeah. this doesn't matter. <laughs>
1: you know? I mean Well <laughs> yeah Yeah, and, and, and two, it's like and it doesn't matter if you do what we do or if you're just amongst a group of buddies. Like you can start to put pressure on yourself of what you know others are going to think as far as oh he hasn't killed a buck yet oh man what a good hunter he is you know and and it was like for me that that honestly had started way before anything with social media or anything it was just amongst my own family and and the, what I've come to learn nobody really cares dude you know everyone cares else is all. thinking about themselves yeah. <laughs> nobody cares and it's just like that's that's and, and once I like, anytime I start feeling that way on that, on that side, it's, it's almost embarrassing to, that, to, to say it that way. But I just think I'm like, nobody really cares. And I remember, I remember someone, an older guy told me one time, he's like, just remember when it comes to hunting, you know, he's, he was very accomplished and he hadn't, and he hadn't shot a buck in like five years. And he was saying, he's like, I have nothing to prove to anybody. He's that's, like, and he's got, he. He had got to a point where he was like he was chasing a certain type of animal, a certain type of buck. And he's like, I'm OK with not shooting anything if I don't shoot this. He's like, I have I enjoy it. I like seeing these smaller bucks and everything. He's like, but I don't have to just, you know, be posing with a picture every year to feel like in, I, I know that that. I I know who I am. I know who I am as a hunter and that doesn't matter to anybody else except for me. Yeah.
0: And uh That's right. And, and I I and feel like everybody should hold on to that, you know.
1: Ex- exactly. And it yeah, and again it doesn't doesn't matter if it's just with your brother or your friends or if you're social media, all that stuff. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Nobody really cares that much about it. It's what you stir up in your own mind as as a thing, you know. <laughs> like, I always think about like- it
0: like go ahead go ahead say what you're gonna say
1: Uh, the last thing i was gonna say about that was just you know for example say if you were to to go and and not shoot a buck this entire season and you were to ask me in february if someone would be like do you know zach didn't kill a buck i'd be like no like and i I wouldn't think of like oh man he he's went downhill he sucks now what's wrong what's up with him dude yeah what's going on it's just like hunting is hard and it's just like that's that it doesn't matter how much you hunt, how much you do it. Like there are sometimes things just aren't going to go your way and you got to, you got to be okay with, with that. I think one thing that is, you know,
0: cause I've, cause I've been thinking about this a lot. Like this might be that season for me. I mean, obviously things can change fast, but like, I'm kind of like, whoa, season's getting away from me here, you know? Mm-hmm. But I've been thinking about it and it's like, to your point, you know, nobody remembers that. Nobody cares. I mean, people maybe will talk some smack, but it's like, whatever. I, I well, That shouldn't affect you. What really matters is what you learn from it and then what you come back with and, you know, change for the future. And I think that's probably way more important than getting one or not getting one. You know, I always say a couple of things. First off, one of the things I started thinking about kind of dawned on me one day. Like nobody gives a shit about your mounts when you're dead. like nobody's gonna remember this. nobody's gonna remember you do, and that's awesome and that's special. But as soon as you're gone, all the skulls and the and the you know shoulder mounts and the shed antlers they're either getting given away to somebody that's never going to know the story of them or they're just getting thrown away. I mean, let's be honest. Like those things aren't hanging around for forever. Nobody remembers that stuff. That's, that's not that important. But like, I guess the other thing that I was going to mention is to me, a good hunter isn't somebody that's shot the biggest buck or the most bucks or the most biggest bucks or turkeys or you know whatever the good hunter is just somebody that comes back hungry for more and learn from the last time you can fail a 100 times out of a 100 do i think you're a bad hunter only if you mope about it and you keep making the same mistakes and you don't ever try to change you make excuses like i mean just think about it We've, we've referenced sports as well it's like the really good players could accept defeat, and then come back better the next time. The people that weren't that good of teammates or that good of, you know, players were the ones that just, like, moped and made excuses. It's like, I don't want, I don't, like, that's not that's not good, like, action after defeat. After defeat, you just have to be like, hey, man, that sucked. And, like, you can be mad at yourself. You can, like, have, a you know, some time where you're beating yourself up. Cause I know I certainly do, but the ones that I messed up are the ones that I like to look back on more now than any. Cause I've learned so much from those, you know, I tell those you stories know, like, just as much as the good, you know,
1: when, when I screw up, whether it's a miss or whatever it is, I'll throw a fit, like I'll throw a fit to myself. I'll get upset, you know, get, get angry. And I kind of let myself do that. And it's, And I always remember this. It's not one of Johnny's quotes, but he always says it to me. I remember he'll be like, you can't cry over spilled milk. And just like, and just get up and keep going. And, and like, I just, I remember when I screwed up on what would have been the biggest year of my life in 2020 and I didn't get a shot and I should have, I remember like, just, I remember getting down on my knees and just like putting my hands in my head and being like, you worked all year for that opportunity. (laughs) And you just screwed it up. You, like, look at look, look yourself right in the mirror. You did that. And I remember getting down, and before, you know, it was only like 45 minutes had passed, and I had probably an hour and a half left of daylight, and I made myself go climb another tree just to – it didn't really matter even where that tree was, <laughs> but just, just the, the act of doing that again. And that was, for me, what helped me kind of get that reset. And Back was like, in the right.
0: saddle, baby.
1: Yeah. If, you know, and then the other thing that helps me deal with those things is like, okay, situations could have been different. And I couldn't have seen a deer that day and I'd still be in the same position. Right. Yeah, you absolutely. Know. Absolutely. <laughs> so that, that's, uh, that's again, it's these mental tricks and everybody has different triggers on what, what helps them and being able to figure it out. But it's. You're gonna make mistakes, but these seasons, like right now, for me in PA, and it sounds like you and, and in a, places, and a couple honestly, of places. <laughs> listen, listen, but I, I hunted in Alaska, my dream hunt, moose hunting. I never saw a legal bull. I didn't. So I was like, okay, came home, tag in my pocket. Went to South Dakota, didn't shoot anything, tag in my pocket. You know, PA, and I'm you know struggling. I obviously I had good luck in West Virginia, but it was like. in in PA this year and the lot in 2020 I had carried a, my tag in a rifle season. And those two years I learned more Mm -hmm. than anything because you get to see all these different things. And I used to look at rifle season of like, that was a failure if I had to have my gun in my hand at that point, because I, I couldn't shoot anything with my bow. And now I look at it as like, okay, this is another new thing that I get to do and do different tactics and, and, and learn and, Yeah, I don't know. I just here's one here's
0: one last mental thing that I kind of did by accident. But this is I mean this is one of those ones. If you listen to our podcast, like you know that I hate this one. When I was with Keith, 2020, a rattle, we're making all this ground noise. Butt comes up, and my bow is behind me. He comes like to like point blank. I mean it's like if you would have got drawn. And he came to that spot. It's like one of those no-brainer shots, right? He spooked because I don't have my bow, and he's so close. Well, we took a morning off or maybe a whole day off to reset. We went for one last day before we were going to go back to Iowa because Ben, Keith's brother, had a tag. We're going to go one more day. We go and actually, I've probably told you this story, but the reason we ended up down in this bottom is a lot of your a lot of your influence talking about creek bottoms, and we end up getting down into this creek bottom. That
1: and was this, in Ohio, right? Yep.
0: And this is yep, all in the where... same video. Just a couple, like I said, a couple days later, and I mean, long long story short, I I won't bore you with the details, but this buck comes cruising in, and he gets on a trail that I didn't expect. I didn't actually even know it was there and I totally thought like I'm prepping for the shot and I'm totally expecting him to come broadside right in front of us perfect you know inside of 20 yards and he ends up getting to like four yards and he looks at us and bails and I remember one of the first things that I said to Keith is I turned to him and I said well they can get bigger and ever since that it's been like slowly creeping into my mind as being like a thing that I should keep in mind because they can always bow. They can always get bigger. And you start I do this at least. You know, I blow a stalk or, you know, I saw Buck Cruz and he was just out of range. It's like, oh as soon as you as soon as you start moping about that, which I've done, you miss the next opportunity and that next one could be bigger. They can always get bigger. So like trying to keep that mentality and which is also easy for a guy that, you know, has no trail cameras, you know, I got no expectation out there, but it's like, (laughs) they can always get bigger. I mean, I do think that that's something that helped me. Like, for example, when I messed up some mule deer stocks, I never worried about the fact that, you know, I messed up on a big one because... You know, I just never let that get in my head. And then we'd, we found other ones that were, you know, at least close enough. You know, I don't know. But it's just, it's a fun thing when you when you always think, like, you never know what's around the corner. Like, there could always yeah. be something that just completely changes your season. So here's to hoping that that happens for both of us tomorrow and everybody listening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I hope it does. Well, and dude. if it
1: doesn't? the next day, a bigger one. But, hey,
0: they could always get bigger. Hey, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I know it's getting late for you. You better go to sleep. Cause like we talked about, if you don't get your sleep, then you're going to be struggling tomorrow. So yeah, thanks I, for, well,
1: I appreciate it, man. I, I'm glad that, uh, you asked me to come on here and, and chat. It's funny. We hadn't, we hadn't caught up in a while, but it's just like, uh, just like old times when we do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, if anybody listening, watching has not checked out east meets west podcast do it it's awesome it's it's like i just think that you know the topics that you cover consistently are just quality stuff that like helps tons of people so i mean check it out i'll put links and stuff around and you know I if you're if, that. If, if you don't look at it you're missing out that's all i can say <laughs> i appreciate it zach all right everybody thanks for tuning in